You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for May 16th, 2021, the seventh Sunday of Easter. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Dr. Justin Crisp. It's based on John, chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. It is good to see your faces. <laughs> As some of you know, my maternal grandmother named Imogene or as my cousins called her, Nanny, died in 1986 at the age of just 52, just over three years before I was born. Nanny was, I was told, the beating heart of our family, and her death left a rift, a void, a gap in our life together. Though my sister and I did not know her personally, My family made beautiful efforts to keep her memory alive for us, to allow us the chance to know who she was, so that perhaps we might recognize her when we saw her face to face in heaven. What they shared with us was extraordinarily beautiful, shockingly so, and it will stay with me my entire life. It is the reason why I believe most of what I believe. But the thing that has had more impact on me than any other is something that my dad told me, actually, and Dad, you're watching this morning on the stream, and I've not told you this is coming, sorry for that, uh, but it's something that my dad told me about his mother-in-law, that one of the reasons why he missed my nanny so profoundly was that when she was alive, he knew there was always somebody praying for him. This morning, we observe the Sunday after the Ascension, the last Sunday of the season of Easter, on which the church celebrates the fact that, as we will say in the Creed, Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, what does that mean? Heaven is the name Christians give to the redeemed and renewed existence in the company and presence of God, which it is the destiny of all of creation one day to enjoy. It is the name not just of a new spiritual state of affairs, but of a living, breathing reality into which this broken, sin-riddled one is taken up and thereby transformed. Now, words like up and ascend can be somewhat misleading here. Reverend Elizabeth and I got into a great conversation about this a few weeks ago. Heaven is not so much a place up there and earth so much the place down here as heaven is the name of a new reality and a new history, a new creation, a new dimension, as it were, into which all things pass by the gate of death, and which is even now ongoing. The history of heaven is going on right now, and is intersecting with our present, this worldly reality and history in feats of resurrection, great and small, healing and forgiveness and justice and newness of life. It's intersecting with this reality and history in these resurrections until when at last and forever the will of the one Jesus called Father will be done 
on earth as it already is in heaven, as we pray. The will of the Father will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in toto and completely, because heaven and earth will be equivalent to one another. Heaven become earth and earth become heaven, one and the same. All of earth taken up into heaven. This, anyway, is the sense that I make of it. It's an attempt on my part to say what Christians have struggled to for millennia, that this life is not the same as the next life. That death marks a real and definite sejura, or a break in something. And yet, death is a transition and not an end. It is a change of life, not the end of life. And that it is a transition which in time the whole creation will make. And if that makes your head spin as much as it has mine, and as much as it did yesterday trying to write it down, then you're in good company with other Christians over 2,000 years. But here's the upshot. Okay? Here's the reason why I struggle to say what I just did. Because I believe that my nanny is alive. And I believe that she still prays for my dad. I believe that she is still aware of what he goes through, still concerned for his well-being, and that her prayers to God in heaven make a difference to his life and to my mother's and to my aunt and my uncle and to my sister and to me and to all of us. And I believe that my nanny still prays in much the same way that we do, only more personally and directly, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as almost every one of the prayers in the prayer book is ended. So Jesus was resurrected on the third day after his crucifixion, right? That seems clear enough. We've had enough of that for the season of Easter. Three days after, uh, on the third day after his death, He's resurrected. And this is a kind of eruption on earth, you can think of it, of the irrepressible life of that heavenly dimension. After his resurrection, Jesus hung out with his friends and with his family. He he caught up with them after a very long time. And we don't, I mean, the, the accounts conflict one another about how long exactly he spent with them. 40 days, according to the book of Acts, anyway. But Jesus didn't stick around forever in this way. After 40 days, according to Acts, Jesus reminds his disciples that the Holy Spirit will come to them. And when he had said this, Acts reads, he was lifted up and the cloud took him out of their sight. The intention of the language, I think, is not that Jesus took an elevator up into heaven, into the sky, but rather that something happened such that he was no longer here in exactly the same way that he was before. That he was absorbed, whole and entire, as it were, into that dimension of redeemed existence in God in which my nanny now lives. In which live all those whom you love, but who have gone before you. He was taken into 
heaven. And subsequent to that, he will be with his disciples in a different way than he has been up to that point. By the power of his spirit, which we will celebrate next Sunday in the Feast of Pentecost. Now Christians have long believed that once ascended into heaven and seated at the Father's right hand, Jesus continues to do as he did on earth. And as he's doing in our gospel lesson this morning from John's account of the night he was betrayed. That is, Jesus prays for us. And the most beautiful depiction of this that I know is from the end of Edward Elgar's oratorio, The Apostles. Elgar died before concluding it. It is supposed to be a three-part answer, a Christian answer to uh, Richard Wagner's ring cycle. Uh, in any case, The Apostles is the first bit, and he did finish it. And it tells the story of Jesus' life and the calling of his disciples, and then his crucifixion, resurrection, and ends with his ascension. And in this scene, a group of singers whom Elgar calls the mystic chorus depict the scene in heaven after Jesus' ascension. In a dialogue which Elgar stitches together from different books of the Bible, including Zechariah, Matthew, and John, Jesus explains what has happened to him on earth to the one he called Father. And in a sequence that will totally break your heart, the Father asks Jesus, what are these wounds in thine hands? As though he's just seen them for the first time. It's like, it's like a kid comes to you after getting beat up on the playground and you're like, what happened to you? And Jesus responds, they are those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I mean, it's just crushing. And it's as though Jesus is too bowed with grief to go on. It's as though he cannot speak the rest of the story. He's so crushed by it that a choir of angels has to tell the rest of the story to the Father. And they pick up, and it's as though they surround Jesus, and they look at the Father, and they say, so they plaited a crown of thorns, and they put it upon his head. And they mocked him, and they spat upon him, and they crucified him. And after that, out of nowhere, there's this incredible chorus that goes, Alleluia, 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 just over and over and over and over and over, and it builds and it builds and it builds, because the power of resurrection comes out of nowhere. And the apostles and the women who follow Jesus begin to sing on earth of the lengths to which they are going to go to share the news of Christ's victory over death. And then Jesus in heaven at the same time, as though recovering his poise and able finally to speak again, sings a line from our gospel this morning. Now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Now I am no more in the world, but these, these are still in the world, in which are summed up all of Jesus' prayers for his disciples and for his friends, for all time. All his prayers for us. Because that's what the Lord's business in heaven is, to pray for us.
The question for you this morning is, what do you want next to be on his lips? So last Thursday's announcement from the CDC, I believe, marked the end of a season of the pandemic. Not the end of the pandemic, nor by any means the guarantee of smooth sailing from here on out, but it was the end of something. It was a semicolon in the sentence of our relationship to COVID-19, before which has been the story of the multitude of ways the pandemic has beset the people of God throughout the world and in our parish, in your lives, in ways big and small. And the small ones are just as real as the big ones. Some of us have lost loved ones, whether from the virus or from some other cause. We've lost other things in the midst of this pandemic too. We've lost pets. We have missed funerals. We've canceled graduations. We've missed birthdays. We've lost jobs. We've lost livelihoods. We've lost our peace of mind. We have lost a very great deal as a body, each in our own way. And we, your clergy and your staff, wanted to mark the end of this season of Easter by giving us all an opportunity to commend those losses, whatever they have been, to God. To commend them more precisely to Jesus and to ask him to plead his father to raise them. And that's what we are here to do this morning. You are invited to take the little slip of paper that you were given as you come in and to write on it a person, a thing, or some other loss that's on your heart. And after you've received communion here, we'll still have two stations as normal, after receiving communion, you're invited to proceed to the chapel where there's a flowered cross prepared so beautifully by Sarah Magrino and our Flower Guild team who's here this morning. Thank you, Sarah. And just slip, slip, your, slip your paper, slip your prayer into the cross. And after, or excuse me, during our concluding hymn, Father Peter and Reverend Elizabeth and I are going to bless the prayers and commend them to God. Now you might have noticed that the, the paper, it has little ridges and bumps in it. It's because there are wildflower seeds embedded in it. And so in the days to come, your prayers will be buried and then will bloom in a plot somewhere here on our campus as a sign of the power of resurrection, which God has destined not just for our Lord, but for you and for me. So if you will, I'm going to do this too. Take a moment now, if you'd like, to commit your prayer to paper. If you're joining us on the stream, perhaps you might set your heart upon the cross of Christ and ask God in prayer to pray for those losses which you've experienced. Friends, he prayed for his disciples then, and he prays for his disciples still. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, 
at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.